1: welcome to the ice guys presented by national hockey now monday january 30th ian cameron alex B. smith as we close in on the nhl all-star break three days of nhl regular season play with a very light slate because half the teams are already on their all-star break half the teams are on their break leading into the all-star break they'll get days off and then there'll be the other half of the league where teams will get days off following uh, the all-star break so uh, that's the way the schedule is going to be so the last three days going into the break, we got one game tonight, Blues and Jets, Two, uh, three games tomorrow on Tuesday, and then we got just the two games taking place on Wednesday night, although those two Wednesday games, you talk about two great games to go into the break, two intriguing games, Carolina, the surging Buffalo Sabres in one game, Boston and Toronto, a very yeah. important game with the Leafs playing well and suddenly the Bruins scuffling a little bit. You know, could that gap tighten a little bit in the Atlantic division? So two great games on Wednesday to ride into the All-Star break with. So that will happen. We'll be off, of course, Thursday through Sunday, and then we'll be back next Monday. And again, there'll be an abbreviated schedule of games, the first few after the All-Star break as well, as uh, teams uh, will many teams will be just in getting their break going following the uh, All-Star break as well. They'll have more days off. Uh, before we get into everything NHL, most of us that well, most of you, I would assume that watch this show are big football fans, NFL fans, uh, mostly football and hockey are that's those sports that intertwine. It seems like if you're a hockey fan, you're a football fan and a lot of instances, vice versa. And of course, we had the conference championship games yesterday, uh, the 49ers and the Eagles and the NFC championship game, which uh, unfortunately ended up being a dud all due to circumstance and situation. And the situation was San Francisco ran out of fucking quarterbacks. Uh, And that was really the problem at the end of the day. Uh, Brock Purdy gets injured on a big sack that he takes, injures his elbow to the point where he can't even throw the football downfield anymore. I mean, I mean, really deep. He could throw little check downs, throw little short dump off screen passes as we saw when he had to enter the game after Josh Johnson, his replacement, the old journeyman veteran had to come in and then he gets injured. Early in the third quarter. And so essentially, they ran out of quarterbacks, and the only quarterback they had was an injured Brock Purdy You couldn't even throw the football down the field. And at that point, you knew it was just fed a complete that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to cruise to victory, win the NFC championship game, and move on to the Super Bowl uh, in a couple of weeks. An unfortunate ending for the 49ers season, considering all they fought through injuries, adversity. They uh, stocked up and brought in, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, at the uh, deadline. Uh, to help that team in terms of give them another weapon on offense. They survived a season with Trey Lance getting injured at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo getting injured at quarterback, uh, Brock Purdy coming in and just amazing everyone with the way he played as Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft uh, when he was uh, drafted. Uh, And then all of a sudden to have it end like that when you made such a great run and a valiant run uh, is tough to stomach, I'm sure, if you're a 49ers fan today. People will say Eagles had an easy street. Yeah, maybe there's some truth to that, but can only play what's in front of you, uh, and the Eagles were able to uh, get the uh, job done, obviously, yesterday in that game. Fascinated to see Jimmy G smiling, though, on the sidelines multiple times. That, you know, like, yeah. what's so fucking funny, man? I mean, your season team's season crumbling to an end? That's a hilarious development in your mind? Uh, I don't know, but uh, that was a little peculiar. But anyway, Alex, uh, NFC Championship, bravo to the Eagles, they're moving on.
0: Yeah, it was probably one of the worst – playoff games that they have ever seen i mean it felt like it was watching a, a thursday night game in the middle of october like because both teams I, wanted to get the damn game over with yeah right right and, and, and you know the eagles i mean like i said they they pretty much it just you had that feel of the game was over once purdy got hurt uh and, and you know josh johnson like i said who's you know played with literally teams i've never even heard of and leagues all over the place uh, he, this is not the guy you want leading your team with a chance to go to a Super Bowl. I mean, uh, you know, even with all the weapons they had on, on offense, you have to have a solid quarterback. Josh Johnson was not the answer, then he gets knocked out. You got Christian McCaffrey throwing the ball around. Uh, I joked on Twitter saying that you know, we might see the triple option in a, a, a NFC title game in 2023. That's it's, it's insane, but just one of those things that happens, and you know, it'd be interesting to see. You know, how this transpires in the next few years with the seventeenth game, because we look at how there was a cluster injuries with the quarterbacks for uh San Francisco. You had cluster injuries for wide receivers uh with since with uh Kansas City. And it's interesting to see, you know, we talk about the grind and toll it takes to be a team to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. But now when you added this extra game, you change changed how teams prepare. There's one less preseason game, uh training camps are, are structured differently. And, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, we're going to start seeing, you know, more significant, not just injuries to just, you know, significant players in general, but just cl- cluster injuries and group injuries that affect teams late in the year. It's truly surviving, surviving advance uh, in the NFL, but I think that might become even truer now moving forward. So something to kind of keep, keep an eye on as far as just uh, being a, a football fan and a football better. You know, which teams have that true depth? We always talk about in hockey how you need two goalies to win a Stanley Cup. It seems like you need two quarterbacks, well, uh, quite possibly, to win a Super Bowl. Uh, you yeah. know, and obviously you want your one stable starter, but you have to have somebody who can come in at any point and, and fill in that role, uh, you know, at, at a given time. So it's, it's something, it's just one of those developments in uh, sports. You know, things change over time. And I think that's something we have to really keep an eye on. You have to have depth more than ever in the
1: NFL. You sure do. Uh, and obviously the, the Eagles do have a depth-laden roster, uh, incredibly strong on both sides of the football and at all levels, strong O-line, running back crew, receivers, uh, quarterback, obviously, in Jalen Hurts, and very good in all three levels of the defense d line, linebacker, secondary. You know, there was really no weakness for that Philadelphia team, and uh, they are the—you know—they were the best team in the NFC, start to finish. So, rightfully in the Super Bowl, I don't want to hear this nonsense about oh, they had an easy schedule and they beat uh, Giants and they beat a banged up Niners team. No, they—they they did what they had to do. They won the games they had to win. They will be tested by Kansas City. There's no question. The team that won the AFC Championship game over the Cincinnati Bengals—that game more than made up for what we saw in the NFC, just from an entertainment perspective, a thrilling game. And that game was just so intense, especially when the second half rolled around and it was just back and forth. And it felt like every single play was so important in that game. And you don't always get that, you know, in an NFL game, you know, especially those high scoring games when there's so many touchdowns, it gets lost in the shuffle that every little play isn't so important. But last night it felt that way. And look, the Bengals, are going to feel that they got sort of shafted by the officiating. And there is some some truth to that. No question there's some truth to that. If you look at it, there was missed holding penalties on the Chiefs. There was a missed maybe potential hold or block in the back on the Skymore kick return on the drive that was eventually the game-winning field goal drive for uh, Harrison Budker, the kicker. Uh, that could have been called. There was a missed roughing the passer, it looked like, on the Chiefs where Joe Burrow was hit late after he let the uh, – football go. Uh, the clock debacle uh, that took place in the third quarter where it looked like they had gotten a stop on third down. They set, stopped, they tackled Travis Kelsey short of the first down. Uh, it looked like fourth down. Wait, wait a minute. We blew the play dead. The play never happened. Uh, the clock had issues. I mean, if you're Cincinnati, you've got a, a little bit of a right to be a little pissed off with the way that game was officiated last night because a lot of it went against you. There's no question, but Before we blame solely the officiating, let's also point out there were missed opportunities by the Bengals. Red zone offense wasn't great. It was a big, great interception by the Chiefs where, you know, Burrow took a deep shot down the sideline. It was just a great play. It was tipped, and then it was uh, caught on the ricochet for an interception. You know, and he had another bad throw earlier than that that, you know, took away an opportunity for the Bengals to move the football and uh, put points on the board. And, of course, it goes without saying, the penultimate penalty call in that game is one you can't argue with, you know, on Joseph Osai. And unfortunately for Joe Osai, who's probably talk about the human being that might be feeling at his lowest on this Monday, Uh, it could be him uh, because obviously he hits Patrick Mahomes late, out of bounds. Now you could say, hold on now, it was not much of a hit. It was more of a push from behind. Yes, it was. It was not a hard hit. It was just a push from behind, like just going like that. But it was way late. It was way out of bounds by the letter of the law. The rule states you cannot contact the quarterback or any player that late out of bounds. No matter if it's a push, a shove, a nudge, anything, any contact, out of bounds. Uh, and it's going to get called. And that's exactly what happened. What made matters worse, Alex, is that guy had a hell of a football game along that yeah. front, uh, the defensive front for the Bengals. He was blowing up the line of scrimmage. He was getting in Patrick Mohm's kitchen much of that game. And to see all that work basically shot to hell because of just a penalty you can't take in that situation. 15-yard late hit out of bounds, which puts Butker in field goal position to the point where he's not going to miss that, and your season's over. It's a tough way to end for not only the Bengals, but for him personally.
2: Awful.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know I know people were kind of you know saying it's a, a bit of a ticky tack call, but they said you can't push somebody from behind there, and, and look what happened—he actually got hurt on the play, uh, banged his knee as as he fell down. So that's the reason why you have that that rule. You know, not necessarily a, a hit, but just any kind of, of 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 throwing someone off balance while getting out of balance—it's a, it's a dangerous play. But uh, yeah, it was just you know it was that, it was a great game. But they had a weird start to it and a weird feel with it, too. And, you know, we were wondering how Mahomes was going to respond. He looked great, uh, as usual. You know, Travis Kelsey, another guy who was banged up and on the injury list, uh, you know, played his heart out. And it's just a, a great team win for a Kansas City team that, I mean, obviously they know what they're doing. They've been in this spot uh, countless times now getting back to the Super Bowl. And kudos to them for playing a, a great game and and shutting down Joe Burrow and company. And he like said they made some mistakes, some, some bad throws by Burrow that got picked off. He uh, said, not you know converting in the red zone but that penalty and the irony of that because if you go back to the Philly San Fran game Philly was up 21-7 and marching down the field Jalen Hurts got pushed from behind out of bounds and at that point that's when I said there I said this game's over because you could tell that was a frustration moment and obviously you know like I said you know with the situation of everything else that was going on that whole team was just frustrated we saw it boil over at the very end as well but that was a, a frustration mark or Osai, and, and you can't have that in a tie game. You know, it's one thing to do that when you get blown out, you know, and, and, and taken out, but but okay, fine. Even if you're frustrated, yeah, things weren't going Cincinnati's way, but you still had a chance to win the game in overtime, and, and you just get put it on a platter for him. You, just, you can't do that. So, I, like I say, he's got to be feeling really low and really low. Hopefully his teammates will be able to kind of lift him up and uh, and, and support him uh, in, a, in a tough time like that.
1: Yeah, there's no question, and that's, you know, tough, tough to end that way. Uh, For the now, like I said, a lot of lot, let's be on a lot of the calls went against Cincy. They did. And and many of them shouldn't have. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's a there were plays to be made on the field by the Bengals. Aside from the bad calls, they they, they didn't make those plays at the key times. And of course, the Osai penalty is just can't happen. And and unfortunately, uh, that ends up being uh, a costly one to put Butker in that range to make that uh, field goal. I do want to point out, though, whether whatever you think. Uh, by the way, of the officiating in that uh, football game uh, yesterday. Whatever you think of it, uh, and you could think that they were completely shafted, completely screwed, you know, completely uh, the, refer- the officiating was against the Bengals. You could think only somewhat that it was against them. Or you could think maybe none at all uh, that, uh, you know, the officiating was against them. Anybody has to have a little chuckle at this. Uh, here we go, and I'll, I'll pull it up on the uh, screen here. Uh, there we go. Uh, Let me go. Let me see if we got the uh, right one here. Uh, There we go. Hold on. Uh, But yeah, everyone is probably going to end up uh, having a a good uh, chuckle at uh, this. Uh, Hold on. We'll make sure we get the uh, right image here. But uh, yeah, while I'm finding that, uh, you know, when you look at it, it's obviously a situation that uh, was unfortunate. Here we go. There we go. Look at that. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty, yeah. We got to admit that's pretty funny, right? Game recognized, funny. game. The exchange of jerseys. Ron Torbert, uh, last night's referee, uh, with the uh, Mahomes jersey, and then Patrick Mahomes <laughs> holding his official uh, referee's jersey. That's, that's pretty funny. Pretty Come weird. on, that's, 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 that's pretty yeah. Funny. Yeah. I really laughed my ass the first time I saw that. I, I, I was crying. <laughs> my ass, actually, a whole minute. But yeah, that's pretty good, right there. Uh, yeah, but Yeah. Is. I mean, it's t- tough, tough stuff though for the um, for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals again to end that way. Uh, but it is what it is, and again, they end up uh, falling short. uh, in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs moving on in the Super Bowl to set up a Philadelphia Eagles-Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl in two weeks, the Andy Reid Bowl, the Kelsey Bowl, whatever you want to call it. Uh, (laughs) We've got Andy Reid's current team versus his former team, and of course, Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and Jason Kelsey, center for the Philadelphia Eagles on their O-line going head-to-head in that Super Bowl. So storylines galore, and we'll definitely talk a little Super Bowl next week, uh, probably maybe on the Friday, certainly on the Sunday. I think we will do a quick Super Bowl Sunday show in the morning, and we'll definitely have some side total props, opinions for you for sure. Yeah, uh, We'll make sure to talk a little Super Bowl right here on the ice, guys. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it be a fun, fun matchup for sure. Uh, Casey and Philly out in Phoenix. Yep, no doubt about that. All right, NHL related. We'll talk about last night's games in a sec, but we do want to mention the passing of the Golden Jet, uh, Bobby Hall, uh, of course, today, I believe, 84 uh, years old. Uh, but a really, really uh, long life for him. Uh, certainly from, uh, and look, we know he made some transgressions, said things that were abhorrent, you know, in his, in his past, you know, regarding various topics. And we're not going to go there and talk about that or the person, the human being, some of the, you know, things he said, which were, you know, dis- despicable down, you know, borderline awful, borderline, yeah. you know, unforgiving. But at the same point in time, we're here to just talk about, we, you know, it's still a man that has died. It's a guy that was a legendary hockey player, as good as he as good a player as there was certainly at that time in that era. You know, there is still a family in mourning here, a whole family that's lost, you know, one of their, you know, a dad, a brother, you know, uh, you know, grandfather, father, you know, I'm sure Brett and the, and the rest of the family, you know, they're mourning today. So, you know, we do have to have some level uh, of sympathy to them, regardless of what Bobby Hall said and did in the past. And we do have to acknowledge that from a hockey player perspective, he had an incredible career uh, and much of it with Alex's chicago blackhawks including winning a stanley cup uh, with the uh, chicago blackhawks uh, in 1961 it was actually the only stanley cup uh, that the uh, uh, that bobby hall won as a player but the accomplishment statistically that he had throughout his career a two-time uh, mvp of the league a three-time art ross trophy winner uh, a seven-time goal scoring leader uh, in the nhl seven times he led the nhl Uh, in goals. And of course, we can't call it seven time Maurice rocket Richard trophy winner because that wasn't around back then, obviously. Hell, I think Maurice rocket Richard had just retired, you know, not long after a lot of those uh, records were set by uh, Bobby, not long before, I should say, uh, a lot of those records were set. So seven time goal scoring leader, uh, Bobby Hall, he was an ambassador for the Chicago Blackhawks for a very long time, of course. Uh, in his post-playing days, you know, 90s, 2000s, and of course that era, that brilliant golden era of the Blackhawks in the last decade when they won all those Stanley Cups, you know, they had him in on a lot of the celebrations. But again, a lot of mistakes and a lot of things said that, you know, we look back and they're not good. They will not look back favorably on with Bobby Hall, but we do have to acknowledge his passing. He was an NHL great in terms of his performance on the ice there is still a whole family that's mourning that's lost a member of their family today. We wanted to acknowledge it. So rest in peace, the golden jet, Bobby Hall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, growing up as a Hawks fan and you know, you, you know, in the the nineties, you saw clips of Bobby Hall before the, you know, the game that was a part of the, the intro and, you know, seeing uh, just all the historic things from the sixties and, you know, that that last cup winning team, you know, obviously until 2010, that was the the, the only cup winning team most people had known uh, from with the Hawks and, you know, the innovations of the game, uh, you know, it was an accident of him, you know, getting his stick jammed in a door that led to him having a curved stick. And now everybody's got a curve and a flex in their stick, Uh, you know, him leaving the Hawks to go to the WHA and becoming the first million-dollar player, and you know, uh, you know, contract disputes and different things like that. So things that are pertinent to today's game are, are, you know, tied to him and 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 some of the things that he's done. Yes, he was a, was he a terrible person? Yeah, he was. Was he a great hockey player? Yes. And those are two things that are, are, are separate. And like you said, there's a family that's uh, mourning a loss of, of a loved one. And, and that's always going to be something that, uh, you know, should at least merit some uh, respect, what no matter the person. But uh, what he did on the ice was uh, sensational. And, and, you know, he's a one-of-a-kind of hockey player. And he really kind of changed the game to where it is today, the, the speed and the, you know, the hard shot, like his game model is what we've seen as the the kind of consistent for the last 50, 60 years since that. Um, and, and that when you have a prototypical player like that in, in any league, that's something that uh, definitely deserves to be recognized.
1: And in the league these days where you've got McDavid, Matthews and Thompson, and you go on down the list of all of Ovechkin, Uh, Of course, all these players that shoot the puck so damn hard and with so much velocity. Of course, he was one of the, at the time, nobody shot the puck harder than Bobby Hall. Holy shit, take your head off with it. I mean, from a velocity standpoint, people were in awe, 60s and 70s. Look how fucking hard this guy shoots the puck. I mean, my gosh, the velocity on that thing. I mean, very few, if any, had the accuracy and the velocity and the vapor trail shooting the puck toward the net that the Golden Jet Bobby Hall did. Back in and, those and, days.
0: And it was rumored that he hit like 90, 90 to ninety-five with regular ease using an old wooden stick that was flat. Imagine if he had one of these curved graphite sticks now. Oh, that yeah. probably would have hit 140 miles an hour. I mean, it, it would have certainly would have forced all the goaltenders to have to wear masks and 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 larger padding and everything. It would it would have been a, everything we see now probably would have been accelerated to get 25 years because of that, because this would have would have become a dangerous game to play with. you had guys like him with uh with the modern equipment.
1: Man, if that hit your mask, it probably put a fucking dent right in the mask, or probably rip the fucking goalie pad right off the, your your leg. Essentially, you have to yeah. get the shit repaired or get a new one at the intermission. If he was shooting the puck in today's NHL, you're right yeah. with those uh, curved graphite sticks, and uh, no question uh, uh, about that. That would be him shooting the puck in today's day and age. Wow, would have been something to behold. But uh, we do wanted to me- we did want to mention, obviously, Bobby Hall. We wish him. Uh, rest in peace, and uh, a guy that was a, again a terrific hockey player uh, in his day. Uh, yesterday's NHL games, Alex. We had two games uh, on the Sunday slate: Boston, Carolina. Very disappointing to see the over fall short. Uh, Boston couldn't help me out with that. Four-one uh, in favor of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, and uh, Carolina was probably the better look in that game. And I probably should have went in that direction instead of the over, but uh, Carolina, give them credit. I've just uh, took advantage to a Boston team that played two pretty tough road games in a row. Uh, Freddie Anderson was very good again in net for the uh, hurricanes. He's really been solid since he's been back from injuries. Fresh too. I think that matters too. For an older guy, he's fresh. He's got full energy. Now he hadn't played in a while. Uh, definitely, uh, a, a guy that's been, uh, benefited from getting the time off just to really, you know, bring his a game. And he's done that, uh, big bad some some terrible turnovers by the Bruins carlos in particular that put the game away made it 3 nothing early in the third was a bad one uh and definitely the uh, carolina hurricanes continue to play very good going into the break 4-1 and i think the bruins can use the break now though their post their pre-break schedule isn't done just yet they do have one more game against the uh Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday night, and that should be a good one. And the other game yesterday, John Tavares in his 1,000th NHL game, they did a nice ceremony for him before the game, and uh figured Toronto was a good play because of that, because of the loss to Ottawa, because of Samsonov playing against his former team and losing in Washington when he played them the last time. And sure enough, the Leafs uh, were able to get the job done. Uh, they cashed for me there. I mentioned liking them on the show uh, yesterday. Uh, they beat Washington 5-1. to one. Very impressive performance. Morgan Riley, who they've been criticizing here, that he hasn't scored yet this year. He finally gets his first goal. Two assists for John Tavares in his 1,000th game. A great performance all around both ends of the ice. Samsonov back on track after a, you know, kind of a shaky performance by his standards. But we talked about the circumstances leading up to that against Ottawa, where it drops on him all of a sudden, that 10 minutes before the game, hey, Samsonov, get your pads, get 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 ready. You're starting tonight you know, at the last second because Murray uh, was scheduled to start that game and last second he can't go. So I think that kind of negatively impacted Samsonov a bit, but he knew he was the starter all along yesterday and it was back to the Samsonov we've seen on home ice for much of the first half of the season, where I believe now the record is 15-1-1 uh, for him now uh, in re- at home as a starter uh, for the Leafs this year. He's been uh, extremely impressive. Uh, and again, the Leafs with a nice 5-1 win. Alex, uh, thoughts on the two games on Sunday?
0: Yeah, I mean that was a uh, you know a couple of tough uh, beats, especially with that um, you know over five and a half uh, missing with Carolina and Boston. I thought Boston was gonna you know, except like play a bit more inspired, losing those those good, a couple of games. I knew Carolina wasn't just gonna lay down for him either. It was gonna be a, a good back and forth battle. And you know, four one, that's just one of those uh, you know tough tough ways to to, to lose one. But uh, yeah, I lost that first period over with. Toronto and Washington, and I, I didn't heed my own advice. I said it just yesterday about how some of these teams missing the first period overs, I need to jump right back on the full game. Uh, easy could have got a four and a half at a plus price. If you bet that uh, going into the second period, like I think a few minutes in the second period and it easily cashes going over that. So uh, i got to be more mindful of that when I see those losers. You know, it feels like chasing, but it really isn't. It, it's it's kind of more of like a, a, a set play. You know, which which I, I try to do often. I, I usually look for that where if I like a first period over, and then go back to an under. But uh, but it's something I just have to kind of just you know stay in the course with and and work with. So uh, but it was, yeah, a couple of interesting games, and it'll be interesting to see now because you got of course Boston and Toronto are the two teams that are playing again. Uh, on Wednesday to see how they respond heading into the break, being the last game heading into the break, and Carolina's playing as well. So all three of those teams, you know, to see that knowing they have one more game where all these other teams are, are kind of resting, just something to kind of maybe make a middle, middle note of.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, the I know, the I think the, for the Le- – I, I don't doubt the Leafs being ready for that game on Wednesday because they've got an opportunity to pick up points on Boston – uh, in the Atlantic Division. But is Boston already in all-star break mode? I, right. It kind of looked like it yesterday. But can a game against the Toronto Maple Leafs snap them back for one night to get them back you know, into a fully you know, workman-like, business-like mode again? We'll have to uh, wait and see on uh, Wednesday night. I think the Leafs will bring it Wednesday night. What are you going to get yeah. from Boston? Uh, that's going to end up being the uh, question in that game uh, coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, what's coming up tonight? Well, we have just one lone game here on this monday uh, card and it is the St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets a Winnipeg -230 home favorite six the total uh, in this game uh pick your poison right now you could say because both of these teams are in a bit of a funk uh, in a bit of a rut and have struggled i you would say uh, quite a bit uh, let's start with the St. Louis Blues cuz look their funk has been worse even than the Winnipeg Jets and what what's happened with them the last couple of games but the Blues it's been awful Uh, They have had a rough stretch, you know, to the point now where this team's looking more like sellers at the trade deadline, a team looking to unload possibly a Tarasenko, uh, a Ryan O'Reilly, among others, possibly at the uh, trade deadline than actually still compete for the uh, playoffs. They're two and six in their last eight games. The only victories were against Ottawa uh, and Nashville. So obviously this team is having a tough time. And if you look at just the last nine days of games where they've played four in a row you know they lost 5-3 to us obviously a Chicago team that's one of the worst teams in the league they lose 5-3 to Buffalo who's playing better but still they got down early and often in that game it was 3 nothing before you could blink and, and the Blues could never recover 5 nothing shutout loss in the desert to the Arizona Coyotes another slow start and the same thing in, against Colorado on Saturday afternoon it was you know another slow start where they get behind early and. Bad starts to games, and they can't overcome it, this uh, St. Louis Blues team, uh, for their fourth loss in a row. Their defensive play has been absolutely brutal during this stretch. They're running around in their own zone. They're turning pucks over. They're not tracking back either. I find forwards are very slow on the back check lately for the St. Louis Blues in some of these games. I mean, defensemen are jumping into the play free reign against the Blues because they're not worried about forwards helping the blue line right now coming back to help out defensively in the in the D zone and that's an issue. When the Blues were winning the Stanley Cup, you know, a few years ago, they were a completely devoted and dedicated team defensively. All, you know, 12 forwards, all six defensemen and on every shift it seems we're helping out the goalie uh, and we're looking to uh, basically uh you know, get that team back on track and get that team uh you know, defensively in a position where they were really good. You're just not seeing anything uh, like that right now for the uh, St. Louis Blues. the The fact that their defensive game has just dropped so much uh, has been stunning. So I, I honestly think, you know, and look, they put up a little bit of a fight and push back against Colorado, but you can't have that kind of start and expect to win the game. On the Winnipeg side of things, you know, this team's obviously had a great first half of the season. It's still been a great first half of the season. They're 31 and 20 uh, so far, but they've lost three straight. Uh, They lost the final game of their road trip against Nashville, a road trip where they only went two and three. Uh, They come back home. And I knew that Buffalo spot was tough, you know, coming back home off that long road trip, a lot of travel as well. We talked about it from January 8th to January 26th. This team was traveling in between every single game, home for one game, road trip, home for one game, six game road trip, then back home again, again, against Buffalo. And it showed. You know they had no legs that night against the Sabers. But what's the reason for the Philly game? You know, at least you're you're finally home again, no travel. You know, you're supposed to respond a little bit after. You know, Coach Rick Bonus wasn't happy about the Buffalo game, and you got stopped for nothing uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers in another game where their puck management sucked. They did have chances, and I thought their offensive, you know, thrust was a little bit better. Uh, than it was against Buffalo, but Carter Hart was good and just every mistake defensively that the Jets made ended up in the back of their net. And you could tell that there was a part of that game, multiple parts in that game, where every time Philly scored, it was just that was you know a sag from the Jets. It's like, whoa, they 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 basically, you know, their their effort waned. You know, Philly started to get, get momentum, carry the play every time they scored. There was no pushback from the Winnipeg Jets. And Rick Bonus, who hasn't had to resort to uh, tirades against his team wasn't very thrilled about what he saw from his team following that Saturday night game. And of course, with only one game uh, on the schedule here, we figured, you know what? Uh, we'll show you and let you hear for yourself just what Rick Bonus had to say after Saturday's loss. You lost on Thursday. Is tonight worse yes. when you look at it because yep. of the and, it and is. why is that? Is that the lack of response? Listen, it, it,
2: there's a there's a this group knows how to win. But there's a price to pay to win in this league. And you have to work. And you have to compete. And you have to do it every night. And as the season progresses, it gets harder. And right now, it seems to you're, you're seeing what we're seeing. As soon as there's a little adversity, this group, we haven't handled it. We handled it well early in the year. We're not handling it well right now. Uh, the difference makers. You can't even find them out there. So until we, we make that commitment again to play as a team and we want to win, this is what you get. So you won't have a magic potion to fix that. Why do you feel that's been lost, though? That, that's a question they have to ask themselves and their teammates. Like, where did it go? Right? Where Where, where did it go? They know we've been successful all year. We're a good hockey team. But you have to work and you have to compete. And as soon as it gets tough, you can't change from that. Right now, we're going through a spell where as soon as the adversity kicks in, we're going on our own program, which is the problem with the, all of last year. We thought we had corrected it. Now we got to correct it again, and we will. Rick, you called the timeout shortly after the 2 nothing goal because it looked like
0: it was inevitably going to become 3 nothing pretty quickly if you didn't and then you do get a response that very first shift might have been the best one of the game energy compete all that but then it was short lived so is that part of the frustration that it's like they showed that they know how to respond but then they didn't
2: well it's it's what we've been talking about is that okay we have a good shift the next lineup have a good shift so adam's line was the best line out there by far we didn't have enough guys going to follow it up because we had some guys that clearly didn't feel, want to play tonight, so you can't get momentum. You can get momentum when with those guys go out there, but the next guys have to go and do have the same attitude, and we didn't. You brought the full blender out in the third,
0: and again, that's just you trying to find something, I guess, anything that yep. works at that point.
2: Yep. Did you see just anything? See, uh, we we saw it from the guys we thought we'd see it from. We're disappointed that we didn't see it from the guys we needed it from.
0: Back to the timeout. Was it the ask at that time that you took it? Was it just emotion?
1: Did you just want to see fire a little bit at that point?
2: Well, I just wanted to settle things down. We kept passing them the puck, and to settle this thing down and get some emotion into this game and get going north is what it was. Um, regardless of the score, it, it, it was clear we were on our heels. We're in. You can't play in this league when you're on your heels. And I just try to get us, let's get going north and get some passion, get some emotion back into this game. But again, you know, when you have the team not there tonight, you can't, you can't, like we needed the next set of line, the next line to get it going again. But we just didn't have enough guys going to do that.
0: You mentioned that, Adam Larry being a strong guard against what happened to this team last year. Like when the times get
2: low. We've been dealing with that all year and we're going to keep dealing with it and we'll keep pushing. It's not like you know we've been dealing with this all year. You guys don't see the stuff that we see, but I said we've been and I've been saying this all year. We had a lot of work ahead of us, and even though where we were, there's still a lot of work to do, and that doesn't just doesn't mean on the ice.
1: We know you don't like to pull your goaltender. Was that kind of a mercy pull or? Yeah, it to- was.
2: That was enough. They, they, they don't embarrass you. You're pretty clearly one of the best goalies in the league. Don't embarrass him. That was enough. And will you go back to him Monday? Yes. He's our guy. All right. Thanks. All right. There you have
1: it. Rick Bonus, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Saturday night following that loss against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, And I wanted to play that because I I thought it was, you know – it was, wasn't like he was ranting and raving like some lunatic. Right. He was angry. He was livid, but he kept it, you know, kept his voice in check. wasn't shouting, wasn't screaming, wasn't yelling, wasn't pounding his fist on the table. But it was a direct message to everybody: we were a bunch of fucking zombies and ghosts out there uh, on yeah, Saturday right. night. Uh, and that's two games in a row we've played that way. Uh, and Hallebuck got pulled last game. And look, he goes right back to him tonight, as he mentioned. It'll be him and Net. We know Hellebuck's long-term track record after a bad game, and especially a game where he gets yanked okay, from the net is very strong. Like This has been consistently a guy that has played well in a bounce-back type of situation for the Winnipeg. The bottom line is, if I'm you know, peeling back the layers of two teams that aren't playing well coming into this game, I'm not sure I'm going to get anything from the Blues tonight. I really don't, because they look like they've had multiple opportunities to respond. You had a chance to respond to a loss to a lowly Chicago team. You were terrible. You had a chance to respond to the loss to Buffalo. You were even worse, 5 nothing against Arizona. You had a chance to respond to getting smacked and shut out in the desert of all teams. And you got down 3 nothing to Colorado, and your first period was a mess in your own end. You've had multiple chances to step up if you're the Blues and play better off bad games, and you haven't shown me that. Now, the Jets have had two in a row, and you, th- you thought maybe after the Sabres game you would see it. So maybe there's some question we should have about the Jets. Are we going to see it tonight? I do think you're going to see it tonight from the Winnipeg side. I really do. Uh, after uh, what we heard, uh, they've owned St. Louis. I think they've won five in a row head-to-head uh, against the St. Louis Blues coming into this game. So this is going to be, for me, in this game tonight, Winnipeg in regulation, minus 135. This is a three bets on Winnipeg for me, actually. Winnipeg minus 135 in regulation. First period puck line. Minus a half, which is around plus 130, plus 135. And I'm also going to go Winnipeg team total uh, over three and a half here, which is uh, currently uh, yeah over three and a half minus 116 at pinnacle. So there you go. It's Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. First period puck line regulation team total over for me uh, in this game. I think this is the wake-up call. Hellebuck's track record off a loss and getting pulled is exemplary. You know, he just doesn't have – it wasn't even really his fault. Yeah, the, the egregious defensive mistakes with the puck in front of him were plentiful on Saturday night. It really wasn't his fault at all. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Winnipeg here. And it's not like these are three equal size bets. These are three smaller bets. They're, they're basically equal to almost a full unit, whereas it's not just, you know, one unit each on all three of these. We're not going that big. On Winnipeg, but we're keeping them smaller scale bets, but we're going three different ways first period puck line, regulation, team total uh, over three and a half. Here, Alex, what do you think? St. Louis, Winnipeg,
0: yeah. The only thing I like here is really the over. And I, it makes sense though with Winnipeg that they're going to be fired up for this one, like you said, with you know, uh, coach basically, like I said, not not you know. Just, Pounding his fists and screaming, but he was truly disappointed and let let his guys know, "Hey, we need to play better. We need to to show up and play a, and be a full unit." And the fact that he went back to Hellabout tonight, which you know he could have easily given them the night off, especially since he's going to the All Star game, but you know he he's challenging everybody. He said, "You know, let's let's step up and get a win here." Uh, before we go out on this break, where you know, St. Louis, they seem like they may be already you know, in, in their vacation mode uh, these last few games, the way that they've played right now. So, if you had to play anything would, on a sidewise, it would be Winnipeg. But I like the over here simply because I think they could uh, definitely get that offense rolling. But I think St. Louis will be able to kind of counter or at least get a couple pass hella Like I said, you know, with him, you know, getting ready to, to travel and, and go play the All-Star game, that's a different thing. Maybe, you know, you know, he gives up a, a couple of uh, spots here and there where he's you know not as sharp. I don't expect him to just come up with a you know fifty save shutout performance off of the last couple of games that he's had. But I still think uh there's gonna be enough action back and forth to get over this total of six you know, dollars to him.
1: All right. Like in the over here, I certainly lean that way as well, because I think the I think the Jets will get four minimum, obviously, because I like the team total. But I think the Blues will chip in uh, something, uh, you know, because that's that's what they did that against Colorado, because I could see five, five, two is kind of the score I have in mind here tonight. Something like that. Five, two, six, two, Winnipeg, Hell, even five, three. Uh, something like that. But the Jets win. The Blues still maybe get a couple. So the game can, I think, still go uh, over the total. It is concerning, though, the Blues, you know, they've already been obviously without O'Reilly for a while. Buchnevich is on IR. Robert Thomas is a huge loss for them. He didn't play against Colorado. Uh, he is out, at least I believe, through the All Star break. Uh, you know, they're going to just rest him until they get back uh, from following the break a lower body injury it's nothing severe but they're not taking any chances they're going to keep him out uh beyond the all-star break jordan binnington back in net we know we had some more antics with him on saturday against uh colorado getting involved in as scrum there although i understood why he did it look i'm not the biggest fan of his antics but i i do get where he was going uh on saturday doing that because his, his team needed some kind of emotional spark Someone to grab them by the scruff of the neck and bring them into that game emotionally. And I think Binnington was trying to do that on Saturday against Colorado. But uh, yeah, Alex liking the over. I, I, I can see it. Uh, I can see it. I might even sprinkle on that as well. But uh, I also like uh, the Winnipeg side in multiple angles here. First period puck line minus a half plus 135. In regulation, minus around that same price actually, uh, actually plus 135 first period puck line regulation minus one thirty-five, and also that team total over three and a half around uh, minus one twenty in this game. As far as props go, I'm I wouldn't overthink it tonight. If I'm looking at Jets props, usually I talk about bargain bin players. You know your Sam Gagne's and your Adam Lowry's and your Morgan Barons. Rick Bonus had his rifle pointed directly at Kyle Connor. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, that group of Winnipeg Jets with his comments on Saturday night. He said the difference makers, you couldn't even find them out there. Uh, And that's the quote when I said yesterday, I thought he was going to go with the telescope. I thought he was going to go one step further and use my line. Couldn't find them with a telescope out there. You you probably could sprinkle on any of those players tonight. Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, Dubois. uh, I think those are the players that are going to rise up tonight. Essentially, they're the difference makers. They're the best forwards on this hockey team, and the coach just called them out. Not by name, but we know what he's talking about. Anybody that knows hockey and knows the Winnipeg fucking Jets roster knows who the difference makers are, and those are the difference makers right there. Dubois, uh, uh, Wheeler, Shifley, Connor, uh, those are the guys you'd expect to show up tonight. Uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. So props for Morrissey. Even Morrissey didn't have a great game the other night. Probably throw him into that mix uh, from the blue line. So uh, definitely, I think if you're looking at uh, Ehlers, too, throw him into that mix. But yeah, those are the players you look to uh, if you're the Winnipeg Jets tonight to uh, respond after the coach said they were uh, way less than uh, acceptable. Uh, with their play Saturday night uh, against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, uh, for St. Louis, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for them to. It's hard, even harder for them offensively without um, without uh, Robert Thomas right now. But at least Braden Shen stepped up. Barbashev stepped up those are two maybe players you could look at in terms of finding some offense right now for the blues, but obviously it's going to have to be offense by committee right now. Cause Robert Thomas was one of the guys carrying, you know, obviously it goes without saying Kairu is uh, certainly capable of doing that as well. But those are the three, it's gotta be Kairu, It's gotta be Chen. It's gotta be uh, Barbashev and even Saad who's uh, been okay on that top line. Those are the guys that have to get it done here uh, for the uh, St. Louis blues. All right, great stuff. That's the St. Louis Blues, the Winnipeg Jets, the only game on the Monday night NHL card. Uh, hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube and shout out to our podcast listeners as well. Uh, we will be back to wrap up this Monday edition of the Ice Guys with Best Bets right after we hear from both of our sponsors, Gramco and Manscaped. All right, whether you or
0: your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, or, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta-8 products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta-8 products such as vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. And is also available at many American retailers as well. Get the best Delta-8 cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you get 25% off of any order, and all orders on the site that are $50 and higher are shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today.
1: Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, our good friends at Manscaped, who are the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over seven million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, courtesy of the Ice Guys. Get 20% off of any purchase and free worldwide shipping with the promo code. Ice guys, that's promo code ICEGUYS, all one word, I-C-E-G-U-Y-S at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 400 million balls that you can help preserve with manscaped.com. Using the promo code ICEGUYS, you get the performance package 4.0. It is a game changer. The lawnmower 4.0. It takes care of this, among other things. Uh, it'll keep you uh, trim uh, as can be. Ah, uh, the lawnmower 4.0 waterproof. Same thing with the weed whacker, which takes care of your ear hair, nose hair. I mean, nose hair in particular. You know, I'm getting up there in age, and nose hair is becoming uh, definitely more of an issue. This will take care of it. It feels like someone's tickling the inside of your nostrils sometimes. It pisses the hell out of me. It bothers me. I need to take care of that shit. This will take care of it for you. The Weed Whacker, uh, uh, part of the package that you get with your Manscaped purchase and the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. You also get the ball toner. You also get the ball deodorant, keep you uh, smelling good and looking good and feeling good down in the nether regions. This package is really going to make you feel good and and look good, and look better, slim, trim, that's what it's all about, and manscaped.com can help you out with that, so make sure you take advantage of this, manscaped.com, get 20% off, and free shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS at manscaped.com, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the promo code ICEGUYS, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we are back here on the Ice Guys show. We've got our two more shows left uh, before the break tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, Let's wrap up this one with best bets, which obviously has to come from the one and only game tonight, the Blues and the Jets. Alex, best bet. Hmm, wonder what that could be. Maybe the only fucking bet you got tonight?
0: Yeah, decisions, decisions. Uh, Yeah, it's over six (laughs) with the Jets and Blues. I mean, uh, that's it. Uh, Over 14-4 and in the last 18 road games for St. Louis. Uh, Like I said, we've seen, you know, just inconsistency has just been the the key word for them all year long. And like I said, I I think I'm I don't know I, I maybe I'm the only person who did is not shocked by this because like I said I, at the beginning of the year I just really thought St. Louis was going to take a downturn and they uh, they are who they thought they were uh, to use the old Dennis Green uh, line. So we're
1: gonna go with Jets Blues
0: over six minus a dollar ten. It's my best bet for them.
1: There it is, St. Louis, Winnipeg over six. Best bet for Alex P. Smith in this one. My best bet. I'm torn because it's obviously going to be one of these Winnipeg Jets bets. It's just uh, which one is it going to be uh, when it's all. I'm going to just go with the um, the regulation bet A minus one thirty-five uh, Jets in regulation uh, to get the job done within sixty minutes to not need overtime. Uh, that's what we'll go with here. Winnipeg minus one thirty-five. Uh, in regulation uh, against St. Louis to bounce back to heed the words of their uh disappointed uh, angry head coach Rick Bonus and not to want to go into the all-star break losing three straight home games. You know, I think that is something that really the Jets want to avoid. I think they show up tonight in St. Louis. I don't trust them to show up because they haven't now, multiple games in a row on this uh, road trip. Uh, and of course, uh, the games at home before that. So let's go Winnipeg Jets in regulation, minus 135 against St. Louis for my best bet for this Monday card. That'll wrap it up. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. A reminder the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. (laughs)